There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is a letter I never thought I would have to write. There are so many things I wished I had told you. There are so many things I wanted to say to you and still want to say to you. I am so sorry. I miss you deeply. And I love you. Welcome to Love Letter to My Friend, the podcast where friends write and share letters of love and thanks with each other. Hosted by me, Lisa Smazarski, and her friend, Alex Walker. Today we're joined by Nova Reed, inspirational speaker, activist, and author of a new book, The Good Ally. Today, Nova is writing to Tanisha Bonner, her friend of 19 years. Tragically, in 2019, Nova's best friend died following a three-year battle with breast cancer. Nova and Tanisha met at the London Studio Centre when they were 18 and finding themselves drawn together as two of three black women in a university of hundreds of white students, a friendship group. They became the closest of friends and after graduating went on to successful careers working in dance and theatre. In 2016, Tanisha received the cancer diagnosis that would go on to change everything and sadly, she lost her battle to cancer, age 36. So today we're doing things a little differently as Nova joins us to write the letter to the friend she misses every single day. Nova, thank you so much for joining us today. Welcome to Love Letters to My Friend. Thank you for having me. We are very excited to have you here. In fact, I want to start by uh, sharing how we met, actually. Because <laughs> I can tell you for sure, I know when we met because it was <laughs> May 19th. 2018 and can you can you remember why Nova? <laughs> well, a certain someone's wedding I think. <laughs> I don't think Alex I was gonna say daughter. I'm sat here with a perplexed look on my face I don't know this. We met at Harry and Meghan's wedding. Did you? You did? <laughs> As guests. <laughs> this is uh, like an amazing moment where we were both invited by the BBC to come and comment on oh, various we were, things about yeah. the wedding and we were back backstage at Windsor Castle we were in this kind of media area yeah. and we didn't know anyone so we were we were together we just got chatting yeah. and we had a lovely time didn't we I loved, time at the wedding. I loved spending time with you and it yeah it was great and the weather was glorious which helped but yeah, yeah it was we actually had a lovely a lovely wedding day <laughs> we did um, <laughs> it was such a unique experience wasn't it but we have we obviously kept in touch from them we we got chatting and we had some rapport we've worked together a couple of times since yeah. but um it is a particular amazing um story of how we met <laughs> so, how we were Megan's wedding <laughs> I know. 
Um, I guess during this time, actually afterwards, when we were working together slightly, it must have been the time Tanisha was diagnosed with breast cancer. Is that right? Actually, yeah, she would have been living with breast cancer at that time. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Mm. And she would have been diagnosed two years before that. Gosh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So there was that for you going on in the background and you were supporting your friend I mean when I invited you to come on to the podcast and I said you know who did you want to write to obviously Tanisha was one of the first people that you mentioned to me was it clear that you did want to write a letter to her yeah there's so many things I wished I could have said to her and there's so many things that I want to share with her and I believe she'll hear them and also like there's no one like her and it felt right and it made sense to me yeah so this letter is your opportunity to say that to her now for Mm -hmm. her to hear and for you to share with us all her memory as well yeah thank you if you're ready nova we'd love you to read your letter to tanisha hey dear tintin i remember the first time i saw you it was our first day at lsc young and fresh 18 something year olds I remember your beauty first, that ridiculous eight-pack second, and of course, two young black girls in an industry where whiteness and elitism went hand in hand, we were bound to stand out and be drawn to one another. On paper, talent aside, we shouldn't have been there. We certainly couldn't afford to be there, and I remember we had to audition against one another for a scholarship. I had already learned at the time and started to internalize there is only room for one narrative. Our bums were too big, our bodies too muscular. Damn, even ballet shoes weren't designed for us. I have multiple memories of giggling like schoolgirls in ballet classes in the lower set. We were constantly underestimated. But then came pulse eight, whoa. It was the first time I saw you command the stage, unapologetically. It was when you were finally allowed to be yourself on the dance floor, outside of the confines of Grand Batmons and Fouates, and it was where most of us saw your supreme talent for hip-hop for the first time. I remember my jaw dropping. I was in awe. In January 2020, one of our fellow LSCers shared a message with me out of the blue. Here's some of what she said. I wanted to share one of my first memories of you, Nova. So it was back in 2000, probably September or October. You were in class at LSC. Tanisha and a few classmates and I were standing outside looking in. All eyes were fixed on you. Then Tanisha said, she's fierce. Imagine what she's going to be like in our third year. We all admired you from the very beginning, including Tanisha. When I heard that, I cried. My self-worth was on the ground at that time. Little did I know you had similar first impressions of me. It's your curiosity of humankind and your fun-loving, almost childlike nature I adored and remember the most. This ability to not take yourself too seriously while simultaneously holding a firm foundation and powerful unwavering focus that propelled you towards achieving your goals. No scratch that, surpassing and smashing them on every level. This is a letter I never thought I would have to write 
There are so many things I wished I had told you. There are so many things I wanted to say to you and still want to say to you. I am so sorry. I miss you deeply and I love you. Firstly, casual racism aside, I secretly didn't mind us regularly being muddled up as the same person. Not only were we two out of three black girls out of hundreds, we would often be reminded of how much we resemble one another, not just in looks, but in spirit. Definitely not in talent, because regardless of your comment, you wiped the floor with me when it came to dance talent. Let's be honest now. Stubborn, cheeky, gracious and hilarious. You were the sister I never had and I just loved how you went into full-on bodyguard mode and did a full vet of hubby before we got married. <laughs> I have a confession to make. When I watched you dance on stage, I would catch myself holding my breath. You literally took my breath away. Your role as the Queen of Hearts with Zoo Nation remains a firm favourite. Do you know I would fangirl you after every performance I came to see you in? But oddly, I never asked you for your autograph. What kind of fan does that? And then there's the avocado obsession. I never understood it. It tastes like air. And yet, I find myself eating them often on a daily basis now. And I always think of you with such fondness. I know we spoke about this in depth, but I am forever grateful for how our relationship evolved and deepened after graduation. How it morphed from sporadic catch-ups to countless Hindus, regular restaurant dates, dancing until our feet and jaws ached on my wedding day, venturing out of East London to stay with me in the countryside, introducing me to vegan food, supporting me in taking better care of my body, to daily chats on WhatsApp about racism, food, dance, family, and everything in between. Oh, and there was that time I had to eat a frozen cherry pie and contort my body to skillfully pee in a flower bag whilst in my car when I got stuck on the M11 on my way to you. Let's keep that one quiet, shall we? Oh my goodness, Tanisha, the gap you leave in this world is colossal. I often still feel you are guiding me and supporting me, especially through tough times. Even when you were here, I noticed you never once recoiled from my struggle and vulnerability or got stuck on not knowing what to say. You always leaned all the way in and you were right there giving nudges and guiding me when I was in the underbelly of the beast last summer and as I finished writing The Good Ally. I am grateful to experience your presence in this way but it just does not and will never beat seeing the way you throw your head back or hearing your infectious giggle when you laugh or the way you scrunch your nose when you smile or experiencing the warmth and safety of your never let go hugs. I miss you every day. Watching you have to stop dancing over your three year valiant battle with breast cancer to be forced to stop doing what brought you so much joy and in many ways was the essence of your very life force was like watching you die in slow motion. Yeah, still hurts. Writing and delivering your eulogy was both the hardest thing I have ever had to do and the greatest honor. The selfish part of me wishes you had chosen another path and perhaps you would still be here now. 
There are so many times where I have instinctively gone to pick up my phone to leave you a WhatsApp message after something shitty has happened or to share a moment of joy with you and then it hits me again. It hurts. You were and are quite frankly remarkable. You are irreplaceable. My hurt is not in isolation. You were loved by so many of us, both your family and your chosen family. I'd forgotten the mark you left on my mum and dad too, and how they often fondly referred to you as their second daughter. After you passed, I saw my mum and dad had saved their favourite images of you from my wedding day as a screensaver on their computer and as dad's profile picture on WhatsApp. Your death was a painful punctuation in a chapter of a life that was so rich. I have learned so much from you in our 19 years together. You taught me so, so much about the power and beauty of grace because you role modelled it every day. You first taught me how to hold people accountable whilst lovingly calling them in. You loved on me fiercely, especially when I struggled to love myself. You taught me about the power of focus, self-trust and self-belief. You taught me the power of setting gracious boundaries, not to keep people out, but to centre your well-being and to ensure you have what you need to be your best self without apology. But mostly, you taught me how to live with presence, intention, joy, and in integrity with all your powerful might. I know you left with a full heart. You knew how much you were loved, and I am forever grateful to that. Because you are a case and point example of what happens when you reap what you sow in abundance. My ache for you right now is because I was one of the special few who had the pleasure of being filled and loved by you. Thank you for loving me and allowing me to love you. Thank you for the incredible memories. But mostly, thank you for trusting me. For giving me the gift and absolute honour of being your friend. I am a better human being because of you. I love you, Tintin. Rest in eternal power. That was beautiful. Thank you so much, Nova. I mean, I think we're both caught up in the emotions of your letter. I feel like I know her just from listening to you then. You've just managed to create her here somehow. Mm. Um, I thought it was lovely. Thank you read it beautifully. What a way to honour your friend. It really was very, very powerful. Thank, Thank you. you. It was. I can't imagine how difficult that was just to do, but you you really did such a lovely job. Um, I think maybe we wanted to go back almost to, to when you first met um, so we, could, we can learn a little bit more about her, if that's okay. Of course. Um, you obviously met together at LSC. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? first time that you remember chatting to her what it was that drew you to her and and what she what you chatted about it was just her energy first like you just she walked into a room and you're just attracted to her presence like some people just have presence <laughs> can't describe it they do that and the fact we were probably one of only two black girls in the room at the time and so there's an instinctive safety and 
belonging and like knowing looks and knowing smiles because you've probably gone through a very similar journey to get there and then as we started talking we realized we had and we just had a lot in common we were also both of Jamaican heritage and you know from a similar social economic standing and she was just hilarious (laughs) and very cheeky and uh, so was I at that time so we were like two peas in a pod. (laughs) Yeah. I think you still are cheeky. I'm not sure <laughs> you you talked about that moment when you discovered that how much she admired you and that actually it surprised you. Yeah. And it's funny because a few times that has cropped up on this podcast, people being really surprised that the other person admired them or was intimidated by them. Why did that surprise you that she was she admired you? And why was it important? Because you said that your self-worth was on the ground at the time. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. You don't realise the impact that you have on other people's lives when you're just feeling so worthless or of little value or your confidence is low. People don't often tell you how, what you mean to them. And that's across the board with family or how you make them feel. And um, I just felt shit. I felt like an imposter there. LFC I felt like I shouldn't be there I wasn't as talented as everybody else and um and she was just great and I'm like she can't be talking about me in terms of dance I've shared videos of you she was just phenomenal like if you're on stage with her like your focus will go to Tanisha and yet there she was saying those things about me and it's just yeah I, I wondered how I would have I wondered if I would have believed more in my talent, my ability at that age, if I heard those messages more, because I heard more of the work harder, the not good enough messages. Were those messages internal or do you feel like you heard them? Oh, both. Yeah, both internal and external. No, but you're black, darling. You're never going to play that role. That's one that came up that has stayed with me. And you talked, obviously, about the, the othering that you were experiencing the whole time you were there, both in terms of class but how did your friendship help you you know how did you two go through that together we just had to get on with it like it was an extremely pressured time I would like to think anyone going through professional dance training now there's a bit more support for psychological safety I I would really hope that that's the case because that was just missing when we Mm. were there so we didn't really have much time to think about it but yeah there was it was a difficult time I mean probably you don't know different either do you yeah. it's like that's the way it is that's what you've been told that's yeah. how it's gonna be that's it and also I don't know about Tanisha probably I don't remember explicitly having this conversation but I was brought up like you have to work twice as hard mm. and so I was like well this is just it like I like dig in like I'm here now I'm lucky to be here so just dig in those institutions are so famous I guess for making it feel like you are so lucky to be in that Mm. place so you just Mm. kind of go up go along with you know whatever it is you're given when you hope that nowadays that's that's not the case yeah yeah I remember you just pushing your body and it wasn't just your body it was like you're pushing yourself to your limits Mm. and I remember some one class where I physically vomited afterwards because I pushed my body so much and and I wasn't that wasn't unique it wasn't just me so like if that is still going on I wouldn't be surprised if it was and no one's saying anything but I would also like to think that there's been some changes in how you treat Mm. young people doing really extreme things to their body in order to be these 
perfect products with perfect bodies at the end of it it's yeah it's difficult yeah it's damaging isn't it very mm. tell me about some of the conversations that you and Tanisha had together about what you were experiencing ones that have stayed with you and have maybe shaped how you view the world mm. today so she had this childlike quality like I do and be very silly playing jokes and hiding and suddenly make <laughs> jumping out from a corner and making people jump and but she also had this like well, emotional maturity but also she was wiser than her years and part of that is because she had to be very independent and self-parent herself from a young age and I think that was it like she had to look after herself through her circumstances and as a result was very independent and didn't really rely on others for help and so she would hold boundaries um with people with family with friends um and say no that's not okay for me but always in this really soft gentle way like she was a her faith she was a devoted christian and it was really important her to role model some of what she had learned and come to believe from the bible and loving one another and treating one another as equals and respect was one of them and so it was just how she behaved and I loved it because it was this softness, but firm. Soft power, amazing. Yeah, yeah, soft power, nice. You you share in detail what it was like to see her dance for the first time. And, and mm. as Lisa said, we were lucky enough to watch one of her dances and, and she was just amazing. Can you tell us a little bit more about watching her and what that meant? <laughs> so the thing is, so you're in lots of different classes. So ballet, tap, jazz, hip, one street dance. What they call it then? Yeah, jazz and then singing, musical theatre. And we were in the same ballet class and we were in the lowest set. So that means you're crap at ballet, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I went to a dance, dance class for a little while and I also was, I was the back, I was the back row always back row <laughs> and so we had these teachers I'm going to name them Anita Young and Brenda Last and both of them were massive prima ballerinas in their wow. time at the Royal Ballet and they, they were just I loved those two teachers and there was another one called Jane Sanic who we were probably with at that time more and we would be berated because we didn't have strong points like our feet were flat and we had these you know African curvy bums and hips like and they want you flat and straight and they're like tuck your bum in I'm like it's tucked it's in like, yeah. <laughs> I can't make it disappear um and so when we were in these ballet classes of course you know I'm calling I'm naming we were crap <laughs> <laughs> so we, it wasn't what we did naturally and so of course we're not thriving and, and flourishing in those classes so we'd seen each other in those kind of environments and we'd often be giggling <laughs> and it wasn't until so pulsate was something where the students got to choreograph and we put on a show so it was when you could do what you wanted to do and this guy had choreographed a, a hip-hop dance and you had to if you wanted to audition she it was part of the audition for this hip-hop dance for this show pulsate and then she just, I was like, whoa, because hip hop wasn't a core dance. It wasn't valued. It's not, it's very elite, um, the dance world. It's all about ballet, all the, you know, traditional, even though so much of jazz, if not, not even so much, all of jazz dance originates from Africa, from the African diaspora and how we used to express ourselves in community. But yet you go there and it's sanitized and it's all, traditional and and whitewashed and so yeah. 
she was in her essence and it was just like oh oh my god here she is here she is hi yeah it was (laughs) wonderful and so what Tanisha did with hip-hop I did with singing so I was one of the good ones in singing so we weren't in the same musical theatre classes together because I really was musical theatre rather than dance and again you're taught opera you're taught classical and like that's not me I'm soulful I like to riff and I would be singing and riffing and the teachers would say Nova just make it clean like stop doing that stuff and so you end up stripping away part of the essence of yourself and then came pulsate and I'm doing my singing and my riffing and oh my god I didn't know you could sing like that and it's such a shame like just let people Mm. just nurture people's individual talent rather than to well, you do hope yeah. that would change because that homogenization, I mean, you do, I do hope that now we do recognize identity, individuality, and, you know, God, the world has got to move on from that kind yeah. of one uniform way of presenting yourself. They have yeah. come out of favor, those very traditional yeah. ballet and, yeah. you know, opera, that kind of music. I think we've, we've embraced far I, wider. Sure. Yeah. I loved the admission that actually, despite the casual racism, um, part of it that you actually quite enjoyed being um, <laughs> mistaken for one another. Um, how were you similar? It's just the, it's just the cheekiness, the giggling. <laughs> We're both quite soft in our personalities as well. We had a similar background in terms of our heritage and, yeah, just culturally we were very, very similar. Um, and then some people thought we resembled one another and and but you know back then I had similar we had the hairstyles that were similar as well which which just made it even more Tanisha no no uh, and there was another girl <laughs> Delia Delia no no, no. <laughs> which one do you mean so <laughs> it's a running joke now but yeah we were only three of us but they could not could not get our names right <laughs> it's just awful isn't it it's awful and oh. What did you two love to just love to do together that you just oh, wish you could do together today? Chatting. Um, we talked like I was so devastated in last year. I had a really old phone that had all of our WhatsApp messages on and the phone died. Oh, oh, nice. oh like hours, hours, days worth of messages. And I've still got some, um, but I lost loads and oh. I was like, that's just got to be part of my letting go so I had to surrender to it but if we were always whatsapping and then when we meet up because she did a lot of touring she's a very successful dancer she was did a lot of international touring so whatsapp was an easy way for us to stay connected while she was in China for a long time and you know in different time zones Um, and so when we caught up we'd be together for hours we're just chatting and putting the world to rights and she'd come and stay with me I'd go and see her and eat eat like Tanisha love to eat (laughs) people would often joke like and say how do you and Tanisha eat so much and seemingly not put on any weight and so yeah both of us love to eat Tanisha more so than me fueling Mm. that eight pack of her Her eight pack (laughs) clearly (laughs) you know um one of the things I loved in your uh letter was when you you talked about the frozen cherry pie Um, (laughs) and the reason I loved it is I don't know with all my friendships I've got one of those stories that is (laughs) that's mine that's just between us two and 
how does it I'm so glad that you shared it actually because I know that <laughs> everyone will go yes and it'll make them think about that friendship but you know that must be I think today something so hard that you just like you want to laugh about it with that person yeah. you know you just want to recall it um yeah. and laugh with in that way that only you and them can yeah yeah it's, it's bittersweet because I still do laugh at it and my husband made a joke that I should get a shiwi for the car so should that ever happen again I don't have to rely on a flower bag um so I still do laugh at it but yeah it's it's bittersweet not to be able to laugh with her because yeah it was it was our in joke and she was keeping me company in the car for four hours there was a and something had happened with the lorry and it meant the motorway was closed for four hours and I was like oh my god I can't wait I'm gonna have to go <laughs> and where my car was stopped there was no you know sometimes there's a verge and there's you know some greenery or a bush or something it was just road and you know men are getting out and just doing their business in the middle yeah. of the road I, was like, I can't do that I can't do it <laughs> <laughs> so yeah there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care plush care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe fda approved weight loss medications like wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss that's plushcare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plushcare plushcare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey they can prescribe fda-approved weight loss medications like wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify plus they accept most insurance plans to get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. If you could sum up your friendship with Tanisha before she became ill, how would you describe it? And it was the same when she was ill as well. It's just a, a, a deep connection, an honest friendship with nothing but integrity um, and a lot of joy and love. Yeah. Yeah, that comes across so much. I mean, I, honestly, the picture you present, I feel like, I've got to meet her. I feel Aww. that lucky. You know, it's just, and, and she does just sound like the most incredible person. Yeah. If you feel comfortable doing so, could you tell us about when you found out that Tanisha had cancer? Yes, it was a really difficult year for me personally. It was a difficult year for us both. I'd just gone through a sequence of issues, um, events rather than issues I'd had a motorway accident and my cousin on my husband's side, who we had a very close relationship, had died of cancer. Oh and a cousin on my family had died two months after. And then Tanisha was diagnosed two months after that. 
So it was like boom, boom, boom. And yeah, very difficult time. And was she in the UK when yes. you found out? Yeah. So were you able to be with her yes. and to share that experience with her? Yeah, yeah. She chose to only share with a few people. And so uh, I was one of uh, her, her main support networks around that time. So, yeah, it was it was an honour and it was also very difficult. Yeah, to support her whilst yeah. you're struggling yourself I guess yeah. yeah yeah really hard and you said that she was ill for three years and I assume having treatment through some of that time were you able to support her through the treatments yeah so Tanisha she knew this she was very strong-willed and she made the decision not to have any conventional treatment and to try and heal through other means mostly nutrition um, and other things so, you know, and she was militant and there were times when her oncologist would say that he was surprised that she was still with us. So she was here for as, as long as she should have been. But yeah, there's part of me that still wishes that I had been firmer in saying, OK, we've given this a go. It's not working. Let's try. Mm. I guess that's what you were referring when you said the selfish part of me wishes yeah. to have chosen another path because it was right for her, but not right. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And that's the bit I had to reconcile is that she was a grown adult and it was her decision and Mm. it felt at the time it was more important for me to respect that decision and support her with what she chose to do whilst the selfish part of me was like just get it cut out and you know and you know maybe maybe that will help and yeah that must have been really difficult for you very yeah it's hard I mean it's the greatest gift you can give a friend to support them in their choices but it's hard very very hard I imagine what was the moment for you when you realized that probably that wasn't going to work and that you know she would wouldn't survive the cancer um if I'm honest I probably had started to grieve in May 2019 Mm. and she passed in September right I have this sense like when she passed like I knew she had died I knew she had died I woke up and she was in my dreams and I woke up and I was calling around a friend saying have you heard from her I haven't heard from her in a couple of days or about five days to a week and nobody had heard and I'm like I I just knew and then you know we got word that that morning when I was wide awake so there was a moment where I was like I think she's going and I didn't want to admit it at the time, but I knew. Why do you think you had that sense? Was that the connection that you had with her? You just I don't were tied think, together somehow? I don't know. I mean, it's not unique to Tanisha. I have it with other relationships. I don't know what it is, but I get profound feelings, feelings yeah. dreams. How did you cope when you heard that she had passed? I... I went into productive mode and that's a mode that I'm comfortable with. I also realise it, it masks some stuff. Mm. And it was it, at the time she was living in the Caribbean and it was all around, okay, not many people know she even had breast cancer and mm-hmm. she was a public figure in the dance world. People are going to start commenting on her Facebook page. So we need to get on top of this. And so it just went into, okay, I'm going to need to make some phone calls that are going to be really tough to 
people in her life who loved her dearly who didn't know that she was even poorly Mm. and so I had to just suck it up and yeah that was really difficult making phone calls and because you're dealing with people's like what the fuck do you mean yeah how can that happen from cancer like I didn't even know and and that was the other thing that's really difficult she she really didn't want many people to say so even this feels confronting and a bit challenging to be talking about Mm. you know something that was so private um Mm. Just being with that, I'm just being with the contradictions of that. But then I was like, people need to know. And so I had to ring a lot of people. And then it was just, you know, supporting our close friendship circle and also the family and figuring out what to do for her funeral. So I played a role in that, in, in delivering the eulogy and, you know, helping plan it. It's a lot, you know, no parent ever expects to be burying their child. No, absolutely not. Yeah. And did you, you mentioned, obviously, in your letter, you delivered the eulogy, which sounds so hard and so tough to do justice to your friend. What did you want from that eulogy? What was the message you wanted to convey? Oh, and also, this was right around the time I was writing my TED Talk as well. So I was like full. And I remember thinking, how can I do her justice? Like, she's such an incredible human being and has achieved so much. And you know, you have a time constraint and like, how can I do her justice in 10 or 15 minutes? I think I had a 10 minute slot and I squeezed it to 15. So I wanted to tell stories that people may not have known about her from growing up right through to, you know, how most of us knew her as a young adult through her dance career. And also talk about her faith. That was so important to her. So it was important that that was acknowledged and spoken about. But as well as like, this isn't all of her story this is a painful part of it it's not all like she did so much and like we have a responsibility to honor her memory and to celebrate and live our lives in the way that she did and to create and honor her legacy and to not feel guilty about moments of joy or happiness that follow after losing someone so significant that was really important for me to be able to provide a bit of an anchor because I of course was experiencing that guilt for having moments where I'm feeling happy or or you know, feeling guilty about not having cancer or whatever it was. There were moments when, you know, you get stuck. I really wanted people to hold that as an anchor, like honouring her memory is Mm. finding joy again and remembering her and talking about her and laughing. And I mean, it's really interesting. So I think grief is such a complex mix of emotions, isn't it? I mean, you've touched on a couple there. You know, you think it's just loss, but it's not. It's guilt. It's shame sometimes you know there's lots of very complex things and I think unwrapping that is quite difficult um yeah everyone really in that situation I remember there was a juxtaposition at her funeral where there was and I was one of them where there was a group of us who were just dancing and you know because of course the majority of people who knew her are dancers so when you get dancers in the room there's just this wonderful energy and so we were dancing and she would have been there right she would have been dancing yeah, with you she was and then the other side of the room there were people just in deep grief yeah. and crying and so for me it's like both of those things can coexist and be present at the same time mm-hmm. it's normal people deal with grief differently and I think just accepting that is useful Mm. you mentioned I think the expression you used was her heart was full when Mm. she 
passed away. Did you get a chance to tell her how you felt? Did people get to tell her they loved her and, you know, how important she was? I'm really grateful that we were in such close contact and I was able to support her during that time because we did. We had those conversations about how much our relationship means to one another and how much we love one another. And so, like, I knew, she knew and I knew. And actually, just looking back at the WhatsApp that survived, the last message that she sent to me was that, or the last message that I've got was that she loved me. And so I'm very grateful that we were able to have so many conversations where we were able to love on one another and let each other know how much our friendship meant. All of this points to the fact that we need to tell people while we can, right? Yeah. You know, how we feel and how important they are. You described the gap as colossal for both you and your family, actually. You know, I was very touched by the impact um, Tanisha had had on your parents. And I know that will never disappear, but has it changed or does it decrease? No, I caught up with a mutual friend. In fact, a friend I think Tanisha has gifted me through her passing. And I will name her because she won't mind, Lisa. She came here to see me last week and we were just catching up and sharing memories of Tanisha and we were just saying that, like, the gap is there and it will never be filled. You just learn to live differently, but also that she's so grateful because, you know, now I'm in her life and she's in my life and she's been a massive support throughout and she's also a wonderful human being and I would not, our paths wouldn't have crossed otherwise because she wasn't in the dance circuit <laughs> Well, yeah, I love that idea of gifting, you know, as a final gift. That's an amazing thing, isn't it? Yeah. And having that shared experience, no one can understand. Mm, no one can understand. And that's the important thing for me, and not just honouring her memory, but in my grieving is talking about them, remembering them. Mm. And not just remembering the positive stuff, but all parts of yeah, humanity and it keeps them alive for me and feels respectful to, to be able to do that. You mentioned that Tanisha was with you whilst you were writing your book. Actually, you started writing the book while she was physically still with us, but yes. obviously spiritually she was with you. In what way was she with you through the book experience? So I, I mean, I write a little bit about her in my book. I actually dedicate the book to her as well. So there's those physical things. But before I start writing... I will always light a candle. I don't follow a particular religion. I'm very spiritual. If people were to put a name on it, I'd probably lean more towards sort of Buddhism than anything else. And I will always just say a prayer and a moment of gratitude for everyone who has gone before me and endured and to use me as a vessel to share the stories that people need to hear and help me get the right words on the page. I would do that every time I would write. And then when I finished writing, same thing to close it, gratitude. And so she'd be there when I would do those things. And sometimes I'd call upon her directly to help with her grace or if I was struggling. And I would just talk to her, just mm. talk. Connection is alive, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Just bring her in. So that actually was one of my other questions then, which was that obviously her energy does seem infectious from how you describe her to the video that we've seen. And with permission, we'll share that with people. What parts of her do you carry in yourself now? Oh, it's, um, I think it's her grace. There's a bit in my book where I write, if something's happened and I'm going off on a rant, <laughs> I, she would always say to me, Grace, Nova, Grace. <laughs> so I still hear this. Like, when I'm going off on one, I still hear her. So grace, patience, as you named it, Lisa, that describes it so accurately for me, the soft power 
I think I'll always carry those elements with me. Yeah, I think that's a huge thing. We can all learn from her, actually. It's an incredible thing. Mm. I guess the final other thing I was thinking was, would you do anything differently with your friendship? Anything you would say that you didn't get an opportunity to say? Uh, You know, again, the selfish part of me wished I would have been more strident uh, with her choices. But actually, I don't think I would do anything differently. I am honoured that I was able to be there and hold space for her and to respect and just, you know, hold space for whatever was coming up. And, you know, and take my shit elsewhere. Like it wasn't, she didn't need my stuff on top. And I'm grateful that I I was able to do that for her. And I guess just, you know, anything would be just to have spent even more time with her. It's so precious. And, you know, mm. busyness, work really does take us away from those beautiful human moments that I wish we just had a little bit more of. But I'm gifted by being her friend. And I really, really believe that. I just have one one final thought, I guess, which is that I wonder what she would have written to you in a letter, having read your, having listened to yours. I wonder what she would have said to you. Oh, don't know. <laughs> Grace, Grace, <laughs> Grace, 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 Grace. <laughs> um, you know, perhaps they would have been similar in many ways, and I'd be a blubbery mess hearing it. I know that much. Um, she always told me she was proud of me, like I knew that. So, yeah, I'm sure it would make me a blubbery mess, whatever the words would be. <laughs> and there'd be the frozen pie story in there. <laughs> <laughs> I think that will unite you forever. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing what was just the most gorgeous letter and such a lovely tribute to your friendship. You sound like you were an incredible friend to her as she was to you and that's just so so special so thank you so much for writing such a personal and beautiful letter and sharing it with us today thank you for allowing me to share and for having me thank you Nova god that was just such a gorgeous letter she just managed to sum her up so brilliantly and the way she spoke about her that's just yeah she she blew me away and I think you know the thing that really strikes me and actually something that I feel like I'm going to really take away is being graceful you know that ability to assert yourself or you know stick up for yourself but whatever it is you do to do it with grace and I think that is what a true and lovely way to live your life and you know she obviously clearly taught Nova that but I feel like that's something that I will take from that conversation as well. The power to sum up a friend so well. I mean, I really felt like I'd met Tanisha. You know, it's sort of, she shared such admiration, such beauty. And I know she talks about the whole person, not just the best bits. But actually, the knowing someone so well is so unique to a friendship. And that's just such a lucky thing to have experienced. You know, unfortunately for them... They weren't able to continue that in their older years, but that will be part of her forever and she will be part of her forever. And I just thought that was just truly special, actually. They obviously had such a special friendship. You know, it was really clear to me that her learnings will stay with her as long as as well as the amazing, fun, 
funny memories that they had together. You know, she learned a lot and took a lot of her wisdom with her. And that's such a nice thing to be able to carry. And the importance of telling people how we feel, obviously they had that unique opportunity to share their thoughts and they told each other they loved each other and they were proud of each other. And, you know, so many of us don't do it. And I think that's what we wanted to achieve. And, you know, thinking about writing letters to our friends just seems more important than ever or just telling someone how you feel just seems more important than ever being grateful for that moment taking the time putting work aside enjoying your friends and you know it really makes me actually want to just get in touch with people I haven't spoken to for a while and reach out it's incredibly powerful Thank you again to Nova for sharing her incredibly powerful lesson with us today. Her new book, The Good Ally, is out on September 16th. If you've been inspired to write a love letter to your friend, and we really hope you do because we're on a mission to reclaim love letters for the most important friendships in our life, we want to read and hear yours. Hop on over to our Love Letter to My Friend account on Instagram and DM us your letters and voice notes, and we'll put our favourites in a future episode. Thanks for listening, friends. We'd like to ask you a friendly favour too. If you rate and review this podcast, it will really help us to reach more people. And don't forget to subscribe so you can hear more friends share their love letters. This series is created by hosts and friends Lisa Smasarski and Alex Walker, and is an II Studios production. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.